Blog Talk Radio. Today is May 13th, 2016. The time is noon. And I'm your host, Xavier Mejia. You're listening to Q Talk Radio. Q Talk Radio is an LGBTQ talk radio station. We're also the creators of the LGBT Hero Awards. On today's episode, we're going to have a discussion with the Not Our Pride uh, organizer, Peter Cruz. Please help me welcome Peter. Hi, Peter. How are you? Doing well. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us today. Um, I know we're going to have a discussion that is um, a bit controversial, and it might be a little rough, but please bear with me, and and I think we'll get through it just fine. Um, I first took notice that something was going on through Facebook. I saw that there were many people who were uh, dissatisfied, unhappy with uh, the announcement of this year's 2016 LA Pride um, sort of format. And it came shortly after the reveal who was going to be performing at LA Pride. I also saw that, that immediately folks were, were talking about the elimination of some of the, the safe spaces or, or times allocated towards uh, the transgender community. And our station was lucky enough to have been invited to, to air live last year through one of our shows called The ONZ Show with Ophelia and Zoe Luna. Zoe Luna was the Grand Marshal last year for LA Pride, one of two Grand Marshals. So this definitely hit home for us. Um, and in reading more about what was going on, I decided to reach out to, to find out who was behind the Not Our Pride um, movement. And so many, many community leaders uh, pointed in your direction. So I reached out to you. In doing so, I learned that you're the associate director here in L.A. for a nonprofit. So I wanted to give you first uh, an opportunity to talk about yourself. Who are you? How long have you been involved in the community? And then let's move forward towards the LA Pride discussion. I just want to give people some background first. So does that work for you? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So my name is Peter, and I'm the Associate Director at APAIT. APAIT has been around since 1987, and we provide uh, HIV prevention support services uh, for people living, people communities of color living with or at risk for HIV. And I've been doing this uh, line of work. I've been involved with the organization since 2002 uh, in a, as a volunteer, and then I became staff at, in 2003, and I've been in the field ever since. Can you share with us uh, what the mission is of the organization? Yeah, the, the mission is, is you're going to have me, I'm not going to remember it verbatim, so please forgive me, no, uh, APAIT staff who's listening. Um, it, it, we, we really uh, want to work with underserved and medically underserved communities, and that's been 
from the origins of our agency. Uh, in the late 80s, early 90s, uh, we found that there were a lot of Asian Pacific Islander men who were dying from HIV AIDS alone because their family had rejected them. And so a group of five pioneers uh, got together and decided to form a support space for these individuals so that they wouldn't have to die alone. And that's how our agency started. And so from the very beginning, we've been, our agency's mission has always been rooted in working with people who, who might not necessarily feel supported from their community or their family and providing them that space of support and, and love. Thank you for sharing that with us. So from the inception of the organization, you have worked to help uh, be support and a voice to, uh, you know, a group that may have been experiencing a sense of mar uh, marginalization. Correct. And here you are, you find yourself in 2016, 2010-plus um, years, uh, having to do the same once again. So share with us how what what's different or, or, or what's the same in terms of the the LGBT community in general. Right, finding yourself in a, in a situation where you're having to once again give voice to a, a, perhaps a, a sector of the community that can be seen as um, disenfranchised. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think there's there's. There's two ways to look at this because I think that, that on, on the outside, people are like, well, well what, what, what are you talking about? There's, LGBT, there's marriage equality now. All these uh, five, uh, uh, Fortune 500 companies are, are, are touting their, their, their equality initiatives. Uh, just today, President Obama, uh, the Obama administration, announced that they, they will uh, issue guidance that will say that public schools must now allow transgender individuals to, to use the bathroom that is in line with their gender identity. So yes, from a, from a macro level, their equality is, is, is spreading throughout our country, but we're also finding that there's still work to be done. In, in states in the South, there's laws that are discriminatory against transgender individuals and LGBT individuals. And, but the last place, the last place we ever thought we would have to encounter this kind of issue is in Los Angeles. And so the, the, the issue here is kind of us taking a stand and saying we're not going to allow individuals to profit off of our community and essentially disrespect the legacy and history of our community. When did you recognize that there was an issue? When are there, is there a certain time of the year that you realize that there was an issue uh, waiting to erupt, or did it did it um, happen just overnight? Uh, it it happened. It didn't happen overnight, but it happened somewhat organically. Uh, so Pride Weekend, our agency has been involved with LA Pride for over 20 years. And for those of us who work in the HIV field, we all understand that Pride Weekend is essentially our field's Super Bowl, right? That's the, that we get the biggest uh, exposure and, and biggest connection with the community during that weekend. And so we, our agency takes Pride Weekend very seriously, and we plan for this months in advance. And so uh, early April was when, um, and, and as the Associate Director of APAIT, I oversee our HIV prevention program, 
So my team is really the ones out there uh, outreaching during Pride Weekend. And we, in the past few years, we've been providing HIV testing on site. So we're really involved. And so um, early April, I went online and I, I started to see if, if the exhibitor applications were out for LA Pride this year. And when I went online, I noticed immediately that they had rebranded or reclassified the event as, as a music festival. And that didn't really sit well with me. I'm like, huh, oh, this is really suspect. I'm not, I'm not. And so what I did is I Googled immediately. I'm like, I wonder if the community is saying anything about this. And at that time, it was early April, so I don't think the community got wind of it yet. I don't think people were paying attention to L.A. Pride around that time. And so I... I I'm going to have you hold there. I think that's a really good... We were talking about this also. I shared a similar sentiment. I see that we have a caller on the line, so I just want to take that call really quick. Hello, caller? Hello, you're on the line. This is Xavier at QTalk Radio. I think we're having trouble with the caller. Okay, sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you shared that early April during the announcement, you, you saw that there was an announcement that this would be a, a music festival. Well, it, was, it wasn't an announcement per se. I just went on their website, and I noticed that they had rebranded it a music festival on their website. They hadn't made any formal announcements. At least I hadn't seen any formal announcements. And so I was kind of suspect about it, but like, like this isn't the first time that CSW has made decisions that the community were kind of like, they kind of questioned it, um, but, but and I'll give you an example. A few years ago, they, they named Paris Hilton as the Grand Marshal for the parade, right? Oh, that's right. And, and the community at that time were, was kind of questioning why, I mean, not, no disrespect to Paris Hilton, but what were her contributions to the LGBT community that warranted her getting that honor? And, but you know, the community, we held our noses, we bit our tongues, and we, we celebrated pride and the spirit of unity and pride. So it's not the first time that CSW has made questionable, questionable decisions. So I'm like, okay, maybe this is another one of those instances because I hadn't heard any grumblings yet. And so I went ahead and purchased our booth and I went ahead and purchased our, the, applica- uh, the fees for the parade. And um, I went to talk to my staff and I'm like, are you seeing what's going on here with this music festival? And they're like, yeah, it's kind of weird, but, you know, we didn't think anything of it because no one else was bringing it up at the time. And then uh, a few weeks later, uh, April 18th, uh, my staff ca- came to me and was like, if you're, you know those concerns that you were speaking to us about? It seems like they're doing a little bit more. Like they're re- they, it turns out that they're reducing the hours of the trans night. And if you want to, I think you need to speak to their board of directors because they're having a meeting tomorrow night, the following night. And so the following night, April 19th, uh, my staff and I, we went to the CSW Board of Directors to kind of express to them and reach out to them and kind of get an idea like, hey, this this isn't sitting right with us, what what you guys are planning. And during that meeting, after we had expressed our concerns to them, they told us, well, who told you all of this stuff? None of this stuff had, none of these decisions had been finalized. We hadn't made any decisions. We hadn't decided as a board. And so I remember telling them, well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. That's great because with the concerns that we're expressing to you right now, we hope you take heed and, and, and really take that to heart and, and, 
and not go the direction that we see you're going because it's very concerning to us. And so we left because it's, you know, we only came during the public comment section. And a few weeks later, uh, my staff came back to me again and were like, they were like, you need to speak at the West Hollywood City Council meeting because the board of directors didn't listen to us and they're going to proceed with the plans. They're going to reduce the trans night to two hours. They're going to place it, historically, it's been out in the stage. Um, they're going to put it in the West Hollywood Auditorium. And one of my staff told me that, that she's seen elementary school auditoriums that, are, that operate and run better than the West Hollywood Park Auditorium. No disrespect to the West Hollywood Park Auditorium, but it, it's, apparently it's in terms of the, the acoustics and stuff like that, it's just not conducive to holding a trans event. And so we, we, they said that we needed to speak out. So during the West Hollywood City Council meeting, I, I spoke, and at that time, I thought it was only an APAIT issue, right? Like, it was only APAIT expressing our concerns on behalf of our clients. And during the West Hollywood City Council meeting, it was clear to me that this was not just our issue, that the community was, was, had gotten wind of these changes, and they were not happy because there were all, there was X number of public comments on Pride itself, and not one public comment was in support of CSW and their decision. And so that was, that was like, okay, we're, 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 this is something bigger. There's, there's something percolating here. The community is getting angry. Something's, something's up. And then the next, and this is, this is when, this is the straw that broke the camel's back. Uh, the next night, uh, uh, my, my team and uh, several other community members, uh, including uh, Ivy Boutini, who's a, who's a, a legend in, 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 our, in our community, uh, went back to um, the CSW Board of Directors at their meeting and said, okay, you've heard the community's concerns. This is now, we've, spoke, we've spoken to you two other times before this. We've expressed to you our concerns. Let's work together. What, what, what can we do to, to make this right? And um, I wasn't there, but what my staff told me was, as they were giving public comment, they, note they witnessed members of their board rolling their eyes as, as folks were giving their public comment. And at one point, uh, and I think this is documented in an article from the Pride LA, uh, at one point, one of the board members uh, 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 kicked everyone out citing the Brown Act and, and basically saying, this is now a closed meeting, everyone out. Mm -hmm. And at that point, we realized that the board of directors was, was not really listening to our concerns. And they were just going to proceed with, what, with, with whatever plans they had with pride. And, and, and our concerns were falling on deaf ears. And they didn't care. They, never, they didn't convey any sense that they cared about how the, the, the concerns that the, that the community was expressing to them. And so the next day, uh, our staff came to, to us and uh, us in management and expressed what happened uh, at the board of directors meeting. And that's when we said, okay, as an, as an agency, APAIT can no longer support Pride this year because the values of CSW does not reflect the values of our agency. And the way that the, the Pride is being presented is essentially preventing our clients from attending the event. So there's no, there, why would we support an event like that? And so we released our statement online. 
uh, saying that we were going to pull out. And I'm telling you, it's like I used the analogy of a soda can that's been shaken up and, uh, and all that pressure has been building up inside of the can. And that statement, when we released that statement, it essentially opened that can and this flood of anger and, and, and frustration pent up over years, it seems like, uh, finally came out. And we noticed that the community was responding in support of us. Um, and so we were like, this is something bigger than this is something bigger than us as individuals, and it's definitely much bigger than APAIT as an organization. We tapped into something that's been deep-rooted in the, in, in the community for a very long time. And so um, the next day, we said, we have to separate this, right, because it sounds like this is becoming more of a community thing. And so on May 5th, we, we launched the Not Our Pride campaign to separate it. You know, that what APAIT's response is, is APAIT's response, but we've said we needed, to, we needed to have something that kind of became a voice for the community. Mm -hmm. and, and we wanted to separate the agency from that because we didn't want people to think that this was APAIT's agenda. Um, and so we, that, that's the di distinction between the two. And we launched Not Our Pride on May 5th. And we, uh, we, we outlined the reasons why on our post on May 5th, why we decided to pull out of LA Pride. And that tapped into an even deeper uh, uh, flood, if you will, of, 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 of anger and frustration from the community. And um, later that day, I got a call from Chris Klassen, and, uh, who's the president of CSW. And he basically said, what can we do to get APAIT to reconsider the boycott. And I expressed to him, there's always been, the times that we've spoken to you, there have always been three issues that factored into our decision to boycott the event. One was your decision to uh, reduce the hours of the trans party without consulting with the trans party, I mean, with the trans community. And later on, we found out that they did the same thing to the lesbian community. They reduced the hours of the dyke march without consulting with the lesbian community either. And so that was an issue for us. Then the issue of the increase of the ticket prices, um, we, it just, we felt that it made pride inaccessible for a large portion of the population. I mean, when, 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 a, when a city has to vote to use taxpayer money to subsidize entry fees to LA Pride, that should tell you that it's probably a little too expensive. Mm -hmm. And so um, even CSW in the city of West Hollywood recognize that the pricing is a little too high, that they have to subsidize the tickets for communities in need. And so that, that was our second issue. And then the third issue was the labeling of a rebranding of the event as a, as a music festival. We felt that that, that was a disrespect to, to, the, folk, to the, folk, the brave LGBT individuals who, who fought against discrimination during the Stonewall riots and, and the, the brave elders who, who, who started CSW and launched LA Pride uh, in 1970. So, so there's, there's, all these, there's all this history and legacy that is associated with LA Pride. And it seemed to us that CSW was essentially disregarding all of that just, just for a profit. And so those were the three factors. And, he, and Chris started uh, providing, you know, started compromising with me. And he even said, 
you guys have to compromise uh, for the, in the spirit of unity. There has to be some compromise here. And I told them, I said, well, you know, this is no longer our decision. Not our pride is not an APAIT thing. We, we, we've decided from the very beginning that we were going to make this a community movement. And whatever happens from this point on, the decision is going to be grounded in the community and whatever the community wants. And so at that moment, I told them we were going to convene a meeting uh, uh, and, and, and have the community vote. So on May 9th, we convened our meeting. And uh, I'm telling you, the, I'll just speak honestly, I, the, the proposals looked good on paper to me, right? Four out, he, they proposed giving the trans community four hours uh, in one of the outdoor stages. Uh, and I, I forget some of the other things, but, but they, they were, they, it looked good on paper. And I even told my team, I was, getting, I was literally getting into almost a shouting match with, my team, with some of my staff before that meeting because I was like, I think, I think, I feel like this is, I, I, on paper, this is good. And for the sake of unity and for the sake of having a seat at the table in, in, in guiding future prides, I was like, okay, maybe we, maybe we should consider accepting this. Mm -hmm. And uh, my staff were adamant, like, no, this doesn't seem right. Something about it just doesn't seem right. And I said, okay, we're going to put it up to the community vote, right? And, 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 I, and I remembered even before the meeting, I, had, I went away and, and in my own little private space, and I said, all right, God, it's either going to go one of two ways. I mean, we're either going to boycott L.A. Pride and... and, and and have to deal with all that, all of this that happens when you boycott a big event, or or we're gonna or we're gonna support it. But whatever happens, I I, I trust in your will, and I'm gonna move forward. And during that meeting, it, it was clear to me that 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 the community was did not buy it, any of the compromises that CSW offered. Every single speaker, you mentioned Zoe Luna. Zoe Luna was at our meeting, and she. She was offended by the marketing of, of pride to cater to her generation, to my generation of millennials. Uh, she basically said she, that's not what she wants. She, if she wants to go to a music festival, she can buy tickets to EDC or, or, or Coachella or whatever other music festival happens throughout the year. I mean, there's a ton of them that happen throughout the year. She wanted pride to be what it has always been and what it always should be a community event where she can come in, be open, and just be herself. And, 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 and she saw right through it. And she's a supporter of our movement, and she was the Grand Marshal last year. Mm -hmm. and, and then you have folks like Ivy Butini, who, 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 who really spoke to us and said, what you're doing comes from a genuine place, and don't let anyone ever tell you otherwise. And, oh, no, I'm getting it. Thank you for being here. This means a lot. You know, I, I shared with you over the phone um, that the first time I attended uh, Alley Pride was in the, in the mid-90s. You know, I came out in 91 when I was 14 years old. And so I've seen Pride uh, change throughout the years. And, um, and I think you touched on a, such an important part of the outline. So changing this into a music festival isn't just about changing the name, but changing its course 
LA Pride is the first Pride in the United States. So it's I understand the efforts of growing, I understand the efforts of drawing attention or or, or rebranding or remarketing, but you don't rebrand activism. <laughs> you don't rebrand um, activism. That just is mind-boggling to me. You know, I see that we have a call, and I want to see if if we can actually take this call. Okay. I know we were having trouble with the call that was coming in earlier. Okay. So. Caller, are you there? Hello? Hello. Hi, this is Xavier oh. with Talk Radio. Hi, Xavier. This is James Gillum from ACLU Southern California. Hi, James. How are you? Hi. Good and hi. Hi, Peter. Hi, James. So I was just calling in uh, to uh, make sure that folks know that the, the broader movement that Peter's been talking about includes a broad group of more than, I think, 19 organizations at this time, including the ACLU of Southern California, which helped CSW get the first ever um, Pride Parade permit. In 1970, uh, but the main reason I wanted to call was just to acknowledge for everyone um, great work that Peter's been doing. As you've heard him say, he's been there since the early, early board meetings about this, and many of us in the community have really piled on in the last week. And so I just wanted to give a public apology. Thank you for all the great work Peter's been doing. I don't know if he's able to get his uh, day job done or because he's done so much of this, but I wanted to give him a public thank you. And again, make sure folks know that BCAIT has started uh, a broad, um, broad group of support. Thank you, James. And uh, yeah, it, it's been a pleasure. Um, and and I I want to apologize to my team because this has taken up a lot of my time, and I haven't I haven't been so focused on my day job lately. But I I, I promise I, I'll, I'll I'll refocus as soon as things start to uh, settle down a bit. <laughs> Thank you, James, for your call. I really appreciate you taking the opportunity to come in and share with us that um, there there are definitely, you know, many many voices, uh, you know, who are who are joining forces and and you know making this uh, noticeable, making making sure that there's uh, folks are galvanizing and that you know making sure that there's justice and that. Decisions are are made for a larger community versus one one sector of the community. I think we may have lost James. Uh, so right before the call, um, we were talking about you know some of the the words of encouragement that you've been receiving. Uh, so share with us a little bit about this hashtag that we're seeing, which is not our pride. Um, it, it sounds like it, it should be black and white, but I'd like to hear from you. How did, how did not our pride start? So after our, uh, we released our statement, uh, this was on May 4th, when the APAIT released its statement that we were going to pull out I was thinking, I, I spoke with my, I'm, I was laying down in bed that night and I was just like, we, it can't just be an APAIT thing. We can't just post messages on, on APAIT's Facebook page because then people will assume that it's APAIT doing their, doing their agenda. 
right, and not really focus on the entire LGBT community. So we, I knew, I knew early on we had to separate the two, and it, sometimes you you lay in bed and you have these epiphanies, and and uh, I just not our pride just came into my head, and I and I immediately texted my team like this is what we should call it, and uh, they're like yeah that sounds great, and so the next the next day that's when we released that statement and, and, and placed the not our pride tag on it. And, and, I, and when I did my research online, I found that there has already been some movement with the not our pride hashtag in St. Louis last year. I believe it's St. Louis, but, but it seems like there have been, there's, this has been a, a, a trend, if you will, mm-hmm. around the country where pride's, pride organizations are starting to go a, a more commercial route and, and communities are speaking up. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's essentially how the, meeting came, uh, the, the hashtag came about. And I know James just called and spoke, and, and James is, um, you know, with the Southern California ACLU. Yeah. And I know yeah. he historically um, has spoken about this particular issue and his own involvement in his hometown with Pride there. So, um, it's clearly not a new issue. Right. It seems like there have been opportunities uh, where folks who come in try to change the layout mm-hmm. and, and maybe not in the interest of um, everybody, but perhaps the, the, the stakeholders that may have a little bit more cash in their pocket. Right. Um, so... I was sharing with you earlier that when I first came out to Pride, many of those first Prides, uh, you know, I was still under 18 and then soon 18 and 19. And and I would get on the bus with friends from the San Gabriel Valley and we, you know, marched all the way to West Hollywood. And for us, uh, West Hollywood was the epicenter of queer life. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that that. A lot of that's changed in the last few years, and some people equate that with marriage equality that, you know, sort of many of the bars have have gone away because people are meeting in different ways, and particularly young people. Young people engage differently. Um, But nonetheless, you know, uh, adding digits or or, or numbers, dollar signs to that already um, rising ticket makes it even less accessible. So um, where, where do you go from now? Where do you go from this point on? So um, yesterday I received an email from, from Chris Klassen saying that uh, some changes, they're working on some changes. He didn't specify what those changes were. He also called me uh, to try to, to uh, I guess, explain what those changes were. I was, I was in a meeting, so I wasn't able to get the call. Uh, but in response to, to his email, I sent him an email that included, uh, indicated five specific requests from the community. Um, and this came out of our May 9th meeting. Uh, uh, they basically, so if, if I posted it online, so if folks want to go on our website, uh, on the Not Our Pride uh, Facebook page or, or just search the Not Our Pride hashtag, it should be on there. It's basically five requests. Uh, five bullet points that, that, that outlines the requests that we would like CSW to meet before we even consider ending the boycott. So that's where we're at right now. I, I, I told him that I will be, I also plan to present 
that letter directly to the Board of Directors at their next meeting on May 17th. And so I ask anyone out there who, who would like to join me in this, uh, in, at the next Board of Directors meeting as I present this letter to them uh, to please come out. I'll be meeting folks at the, in front of the Pacific Design Center in the Fountain area around 6.30, 6.45 so we can all walk in united as one community. So that's May 19th. Uh, May 17th. Oh, May 17th. May 17th. Okay, in front of the Pacific Design Correct. Center. Okay, uh, I, I, you know, if you're just joining in, you're listening to Q Talk Radio, and we have been discussing this year's uh, LA Pride and some of the concerns that have been raised by community members. For more information on this episode, please visit Q Talk Radio. At this I also, you know, what I did is I wanted to make sure that folks had access to the information directly from from the episode. So I did add uh, your a Twitter page. Um, so I, we have a APAIT's Twitter page um, associated here. But we also did, um, we wanted to, if, if folks want to follow the Not Our Pride Facebook page, we also included that link on our description here, the episode description. Um, so, and also if they actually just click on the hashtag, uh, not our pride, it'll take them to that page as well. So, you know, we want to make sure folks have um, the information accessible to them. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I want to take this time and say thank you for taking time out of your day to come out. I We'll keep a close eye on on what's going on. You know, I I would invite you to come back to update us in the next few weeks so we know what to expect and, you know, if there's any resolution. um, My hope is that that the next time we meet, uh, we'll be meeting because something good's come out of this. Um, And regardless, I think something will. And I've... I've heard, you know, some concerns in the past with LA Pride. It's really the first time I see people uh, galvanizing to address uh, these issues at this level using so- social media, and that's part of the the, the power of social media, right? Um, I've heard a lot of th- these talks before, and like James was talking about earlier, there there are many people at the table, right? So ACLU, and I think you mentioned about 14 different groups. Correct. Um, what are some of those groups? So uh, we have API Equality LA, the Wallace Memorial Project, uh, Trans Latina Coalition, the Transgender Service Provider Network, uh, Citron, which is a South Asian uh, group, um, I'm running on very little sleep, so that's all I can remember yeah, right no, now. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I know James mentioned, uh, you know, uh, the organization. So uh, it, it definitely, you can see that it's a, it's a community effort. Yeah. And yeah. Well, we have a blog also at qtalkradio.com, so we'll update the information on our blog to make sure that, that we give uh, credit to those who are part of this movement. Right, right. Um so Can I also just add one thing? I think that that credit has to go to also the gay media, who really were the first to publicize this issue. Specifically, WeHoville and the Pride LA. Um, it, it really shows that gay media is still invested in community, and when issues like this affect the community, they're usually the first 
to bring it to light. And I don't think our movement would have gotten exposure, as much exposure as it is getting now, without gay media really going out there and, and, and taking that first step and, and giving us that exposure. Such a good point. You know, I also know that there are different uh, agents that, that are part of our community, uh, angels, some would say. Um, I, and some of the first uh, words I, I heard from were from some of the sisters of the Perpetual Indulgence. Mm-hmm. So um, a shout out to them as well. Yeah. Um, I think also Eddie Martinez has been quite yeah. vocal about yeah. Um, his opinions on, on, on the issues. So. Sandy Salcedo as well is, is part of our, our coalition. And so we have a lot of people who have deep-rooted history with the LGBTQ community who are part of our coalition. And so I feel like we're on the right side. I feel like we're doing the right thing. And so I'm, I'm, I hope that we can get a resolution out of this so that we can all celebrate Pride together. Absolutely. So once again, thank you for taking your time. For more information on this episode and past episodes, please visit Q Talk Radio. I've been your host, Xavier Mejia. I want to thank Peter Cruz for joining us today. Have a good day.